Blurred up, blurred up. Welcome to the show where we talk about nerd culture from a BPOV, a black POV. I'm your host, Brendan, and I'm joined by Mel. Hey, what's up? Chilling, chilling, chilling. Cool. Of course, you can find us on Facebook at Blurred Up, mm-hmm. B L E R D U P. We're also on Twitter at B L E R D U and on Instagram at B L E R D period U P. Excellent. Yeah. So today, we're playing a little catch up, but we're also mm-hmm. going to talk about a new movie. So we're going to talk about Blackity Black Mirror uh, Striking Vipers. <laughs> we're going to talk about X Men Dark Phoenix, which came out last week. And I'm going to be talking about Men in Black International. And I'll be asking questions. When you, you didn't even know that came out. I, I, yeah, I'm pretty much. I was just so indifferent to the whole idea that I guess it wasn't on my radar. To be honest, I think a lot of people that I talked to didn't realize it came out. And I wonder if that's going to affect the box office. I would assume so. I mean, if nobody knows it's out to see, I'm sure nobody. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's one of those things where people who are just going to the movies because might see it. But I don't think anybody's intentionally waiting for that movie. Yeah. So we're going to start on Blackity Black Mirror. Yay. So number one. (laughs) There's there's a lot to unpack here. Yes. But uh, we're just going to start with number one. Great. Did you like the episode? I did. I yeah. liked it. Yeah. I thought it was definitely the best of the three episodes this season. By the way, three episodes. Really? Boo. Is that a season? Yeah, it's not a season. That's a bite. Like, we need... Come on now. It's like the it's like an EP. Yeah, totally. It's mm-hmm. not... You can't call it a full album. That's no, an EP totally right there. not. So three episodes, boo. Right. I feel, I feel cheated. But that said, out of the three, I thought Striking Vipers was the best. I liked it. It spawned a lot of really good conversations, which I think is what sci-fi should do. Good sci-fi should do. I thought this episode was thought-provoking, mm-hmm. but flawed. Mm. It, And because it was thought-provoking, it did what art should do. Yeah. So by that, by that rubric, it was good. Okay. However. Uh-oh. I just think there there weren't enough story or character moments for us to really understand why these two men would do what they did in the first place. Right. Okay. And I'm going to call them Falcon and Black Manta. I'm sorry, Because folks. that's totally who they are. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Falcon was seemingly in a pretty satisfying relationship mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. And Black Manta was seemingly enjoying his life, though the obvious bragging could denote some sort of insecurity mm-hmm. or kind of, you know, he's not really sure about what he's doing or has doubts about what he's doing. But it didn't really, I could say that, but the movie didn't, or not the movie, the show didn't really tell us that. Mm-hmm. I don't think it needed to. I think relationships are ambiguous. And sure. I think that's part of the point of the show. Sure. Like you didn't necessarily know why anybody was doing anything. You know, the thing about relationships with other people is that you never really know another person's entire motivations. You never really know another person's heart. You just kind of have to guess after a certain point. Sure. And I think that you had to do that in this episode. You're not. I. Are we doing spoilers? Are we yes. to, okay, good. So at the very end, when they meet in the parking lot to kiss like rough, tough, manly men, and they both are like, oh, yeah, I didn't feel anything. I had the thought, hmm, 
Is one of them lying? Are both of them lying? Are they telling the truth? There's that great ambiguity to the whole relationship. You don't really know where it's coming from. And I liked that. I thought it was really thoughtfully done. I hear really different criticisms from different communities of people. Yes. Um, which is interesting. But again, I think that's part of the charm of it is yes. that it's provoking all these really good conversations across different demographics. Yes. Um, and also it really made you think about relation. I don't think Black Mirror gets enough credit for its episodes about relationships and sexuality. I think that those episodes are always really well done. I think I've watched Hang the DJ probably 30 times. Mm. They really do a good job on those episodes. And this is definitely in that trend where it just really makes you think. Yes. About the way the technology influences relationships and the way that relationships influence technology. So I want to go into some things I, I kind of had some gripes with. Okay. Because I, I agree with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why the developers would even build genitalia functionality in this game. Striking Vipers is pretty much Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. I honestly thought I honestly thought it was Street Fighter until they like revealed the actual name of the okay. of the game, and then I saw some more of the, of the character work. But um, when you play a fighting game and you hit someone in the groin, mm-hmm. it isn't like they stop for minutes at a time. Like hold up, like that that hurt. Give me a moment. Mm-hmm. You know, once you just get you just get hit and you just keep going. Mm-hmm. So they you know they had these very like arcadey moves in the game, mm-hmm. and of course I'm sure getting hit in the V is not going to feel great either. Mm-hmm. You just get hit in these general areas. Mm-hmm. So if tech has evolved that much, I don't understand why they just didn't have like a real VR sex. They probably do. Program. I mean, if you think about it, uh, sex has influenced. Uh, the development of technology in a lot of ways. Sure. I mean, it's developed, it's influencing robotics now. Sure. The reason the internet is so well developed is because of porn in a lot of ways, because people were looking for better ways to stream and send and store porn. Um, so it's, it, so I wouldn't, to me, that wasn't really a quibble. But then again, I'm not a gamer. I don't know the mechanics of these things and I don't really have any kind of emotional attachment to Street Fighter as an XP or as the inspiration for the XP that Striking Vipers is, so I don't know. Well, I'm just saying in general, mm-hmm. if you play a fighting game, mm-hmm. unless it's like Bushido Blade, which you don't know, don't worry about it. A Actually, game where, I do, but okay, yeah. well, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, Bushido Blade. Was, I don't play the games, but I know okay. what they are. Yeah. Bushido mm-hmm. Blade tried to be somewhat real, mm-hmm. and if you hit someone in one area, it's like it's disabled. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. So for this game, it's like if you're doing. Shoryukens mm-hmm. to the groin. I mean, that should kind of end the fight right there. So mm-hmm. the fact that they kind of try to have their cake and eat it too is, mm-hmm. it 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 took me out for for a moment. Uh, okay. And just the fact that if there is a program out there like that, mm-hmm. why didn't Black Manta do that as opposed to like choosing to have sex with the polar bear? Well, yeah, but I think that's part of the point. It's not. It wasn't the sex. It was the sex with his friend. <laughs> no, but he was <laughs> right. trying to find mm-hmm. the sensation in mm-hmm. other places. Right. So but it didn't if, work because it wasn't his, because the emotional thing he had for his friend. No, yeah. I, I get mm-hmm. it. What I'm saying, if you went to a fighting game with the friend to find some a feeling mm-hmm. and it was gone, why wouldn't you go to a system that's specifically designed for sex and maybe get like a AI porn star mm-hmm. dude to do it to you mm-hmm. like w- why would you go to a polar bear mm-hmm. well he had his social media robot girlfriend but yeah i know what you mean i know what you're saying but i guess just as far as it didn't bother me as much as it bothered you sure 
Um, and of course, me being a blurred, uh, just a nerd mm. period, I had to research uh, polar bear genitalia. Oh God! So <laughs> apparently, polar the average, uh, not average, but a polar bear's penis can go up to seven inches, and it's much like a dog's. A dog's uh, lipstick it has that sheath that kind of comes out. So I'm just imagining. Please don't. Stop, stop, stop. No, no, no. Speaking don't don't a, take us any farther okay. down this rabbit hole, please. Speaking no. of imagining, did you recognize the lady? The the Asian lady? Yeah, yeah. Uh uh-huh. it's a mantis. So yes. it's just all of the blurred stuff in one spot. And then yes. Ludi Lin is in I don't know if it's Ludi Lin or Luddy Lin. I don't know how to say his name, but he is in what is it? Uh G. I. Joe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well we won't We'll 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 mm-hmm. cease on the on, on the polar. Yeah, no talk. more imagining. Yeah. Okay, but, you know, I'm it's also nice curious. Three quarters of the cast is from the the Marvel universe, so that was nice. Or no, sorry, oh, the superhero universe because Black Mantis DC, whatever. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm curious about when they orgasm in the <laughs> VR world. What happens you to them? Are on, so literal. <laughs> what happens to them on the couch? You know? Yeah. Okay. Like, are mm-hmm. they wearing diapers? Mm-hmm. Or you know? Uh, oh. You know God. what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm watching the show, and I guess that's just me. I'm looking at the yeah. Part, it is just you. At, I'm really looking at the particulars of You're this really show. You're really into like, the biology of this. Okay. Well, well you know, mm-hmm. I think Black Mirror is really cool because there are some aspects of their episodes where they really get into it. True. Some some things are a mystery, and it's a cool mystery. But some things mm-hmm. like this, I really wanted to know how this worked. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you fucking a polar bear? Yeah. But like, again, I th- it was interesting. Mm-hmm. It showed his desperation. I get it. Yeah. But anyway, go yeah. on. Well, okay. Here's the thing. I think that writing-wise, they made the decision not to get into the gory details because, again, the focus was on the emotional aspects of the relationship and how the technology was a way to explore the sexual feelings added to that situation. Sure, sure. Uh, so... As a writing decision, okay, the gory details would have distracted from some of the emotional beats that they of were course. trying to build into it. No doubt. Um, also, not everybody is literal Larry like you, Brendan. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> like, how does the polar bear hold him? Oh, like, stop, stop, it stop, stop, stop. Oh, my God. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> what is this? This is not blurred up after dark. Isn't it, though? Oh, my God. Okay, <laughs> okay, let's move on. Um, yes. So... I want to talk about some, and I think you want to talk to, wanted to bring this up mm-hmm. uh, too, but just some of the parallels to real life or the mm-hmm. inversions. And so mm-hmm. um, I want to start off. I think it's interesting that there is a section of non-black people who enjoy interracial or just all black porn to fulfill their fantasies. However, in this episode, these black men are choosing Asian characters to fulfill their desires. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Um And I definitely think that's an interesting point. What interested me is that this is definitely an episode about sex and sexuality, Mm. about relationships, uh, romantic relationships and the way that they evolve and mature and the way that technology can influence the way that our relationships often naturally develop. Mm. But it, it was all black and Asian actors enacting every part of this and Aside from the fact, from the way that the Asian characters in the game were dressed, there were there was no fetishism. There were no Mandingo fantasy moments. There was no, like, little Asian jade princess, whatever those those stereotypes are. None of that was there. Sure. Uh, 
it was I thought that was really interesting. It was interesting. And also, I thought it was really fascinating that the physical aspects were all enacted by the Asian characters and the emotional aspects by the black characters, Mm. because so often it's reversed. Absolutely. So I thought that was really interesting. Well done, Black Mirror, for stepping out of the stereotypes a bit and really doing something that is diverse, like really diverse, not just we have a black person, just like let's look at the emotional lives of black people and look at the sexuality through the lens of Asianness, which is specifically the Asian man, because hello, Ludi Lin is beautiful. I think his scenes got rewound a couple times just because he's beautiful. He's gorgeous, right? So it's interesting to see an Asian man in that role as the sexual object. I I hope that Mm -hmm. does help up in some stereotypes Mm -hmm. because is this not the most, probably going to be the most watched Asian, uh, Yes, only for the in the West at least. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Right. Well, I don't know. I mean, always be my maybe has some interesting scenes as well. Although I don't know, I don't think that many people are going to watch. Can't really count that. But I I don't know. know. You're probably right. To be honest, yeah, I don't know. This is a lot more visceral. I think you're right. Much more visceral, and it's also just the sex. Like that's the interesting thing about those two characters. That's all they exist for. Right. That's Mm -hmm. true. Which. I mean, it's not a perfect trope, and there are definitely problematic aspects to the way that Asian sexuality is portrayed on screen, but I still thought it was interesting that they made the choices that they did. Sure. Mm -hmm. I think it's more positive than negative. I think it's interesting, too, that how they specifically chose the man and the woman. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, we've heard, I I don't know because I'm not a woman, but, you know, men have heard that orgasms, especially the earth-shattering orgasms for women, are different from... Mm -hmm. A, a man's and it's curious it's interesting that black mansa chose to uh mm-hmm. to stay with that yeah I, this is some, one of the complaints that i've heard from a lot of my lgbtq fam is that they didn't think it went far enough in mm. exploring the aspect of well is he trans in some way is he non-binary in some way is there something about the aspect of kind of cosplaying femininity and being female bodied that he enjoys that he should explore like all of that it's way beyond my ken to be honest but i think again it's an interesting conversation that this prompted yeah it's you know people have been talking about does this make him gay because falcon chose to be a man and having sex with a woman in the game Mm -hmm. where you have black mansa choosing to be a woman having sex with a man Mm -hmm. um He's actively choosing not to be a man, but he is choosing to have a female experience for exactly. a time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't, the thing about it is it doesn't define him, it seems. It just defines how he wants to have sex or right. the sex that he prefers. Yeah, or, yeah. So yeah, it, I don't really have a word for this relationship. Yeah, or, yeah. that's it, what's interesting. It is, yeah. It's a very, it's a really, again, it's really creative and it's really yeah. unique because these are feelings that people can empathize with, but yes. they're not really socially encapsulated in anything yet. Absolutely. They're not really socialized feelings or understandings, I suppose, for a lot of people. So it was just a really interesting thing to think about, like right. really well presented and using that kind of lens of gaming technology. Yeah, it's like there, there is many. Uh, gender and sexual identities that there are like Pokemon now and the fact that there's nothing for this. No, I remember there, no, there it was a meme that was like, mm-hmm. if you can if you can remember 150 Pokemon you can remember all these symbols or something I remember oh, that. Gotcha. As, that, okay. that was that was the okay, that okay. was the reference. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, I don't know. I thought it was unique. interesting. Yeah, it was really unique and really interesting and it raised just as many questions as it 
gave any it didn't give any answers really how do you feel about the ending um, that the whole once a year kind of thing yeah i don't know like it, a purge well okay here's where i begin to quibble i don't know that her going out and finding a real living human being with a physical body that might be carrying an std or get her pregnant is the same as him logging on to have virtual sex with his friend in a in his diapers in a, uh, sir <laughs> there went my train of thought yuck okay moving on i don't think that their situations are equivalent at all right i think that was a weird place to stop it only because i don't know that i don't know who's getting the better deal there really although i really wanted to give a shout out to nicole Beharry's performance that scene in the restaurant oh, where she's yeah. saying why don't you want me that is so yeah. heartbreaking and so poignant and absolutely you know as a woman it brings up something interesting for me is that the older you get you the more you realize that a lot of times the decisions that men make sexually speaking have nothing to do with you and what kind of woman you are that's a real thing that you realize as you get older i mean when you're like 20 you think oh my gosh he's not looking at me right now i must have done something wrong my hair is not done right you know you're gonna you really take a lot on yourself as being a woman and needing to be appealing in that way mm. but as you get older you realize that sometimes it has nothing to do with you whatever's going on in his own head and mind and body sometimes supersedes the woman who is actually sitting in front of him right that at that minute you're completely right and that's a hard thing to realize because yeah. that's not how we're raised to think about our appeal as women and it's not how we're raised to think about the way that femininity and masculinity and attraction work yeah so i don't know that was a really heartbreaking scene to watch her realize that absolutely mm -hmm. absolutely okay i think i think we've talked this one out but yeah it, not, well to be honest i don't think you could ever talk this one out there's hours more of dialogue but y'all don't have time for that neither let us know in the comments how you feel about Yes. Blacky Black Mirror. Please. Blackity Black Mirror. I Blackity love that Black it was Vipers. Called, yeah, I love that. Striking Vipers. And the Vipers are their penises. Whoa. I'm sorry I said that. Moving on. Let's move on to X-Men Dark Phoenix. Mm -hmm. The long delayed finale to the nearly 20-year-old franchise, which debuted in the year 2000. Yeah. It was originally slated for November 2018. Mm -hmm. Then it was pushed back to February 19th. It was rumored that it was sacrificed for uh, Alita Battle Angel. Oh, interesting. Uh, okay. James Cameron just asked Fox, like, I don't mm. think, you know, it's going to get eaten up by all this stuff. Let me just have have that time. Okay. And, and that, that bombed too. So, uh, <laughs> right. So, mm -hmm. day. so then it released uh, last week, June. And combined with negative reactions to early screenings, it just got bad press all around. Mm -hmm. This is the 12th film in the X-Men franchise. Wow. Directed, written, and co-produced by Simon Kinberg, mm -hmm. a man who's been heavily influenced in the series. He wrote The Last Stand, mm -hmm. Days of Future Past, mm -hmm. and X-Men Apocalypse. He's produced every fox marvel film since first class in 2011 wow including fantastic four so he's been involved with the best and worst really? right yeah he's got a hell of a report card huh yeah wow so we're gonna talk about how this film measures up is it the dumpster fire that everyone has claimed or is it you know we'll see okay <laughs> i'm ready all right are you all right this film starts off uh, with the X-Men essentially like like the Avengers. Uh, everyone loves them. Mm -hmm. 
kids are wearing face paint to be like them. Right. Pretty much me when I was nine years old. Mm-hmm. The president even has an X-Phone like Commissioner Gordon had for Batman in the old <laughs> show. Right. And as we saw in the trailer, something happens to some astronauts and it's up to the X-Men to save them. Mm-hmm. This is a little closer to the comics and animated series where yeah. in space an entity invades Jean Grey and she struggles with her aggression and her new powers. So I'm going to be honest. Uh, I thought it started off pretty cool. At least I thought that it wasn't going to be as bad as I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was more than questionable that an aerospace vehicle that was not meant to, for space went to space. Um, yeah. More than questionable that the team weren't wearing any spacesuits or oxygen masks for travel. Mm-hmm. They were just chilling in a plane. Yeah. yeah. Or they or they were they weren't even trained for it. Mm-hmm. Even in Endgame, when they go to space to go get the stones, they all have on astronaut suits, even if yeah. they weren't ready for space. And they're with an actual like space traveler. Right. Ex- none of them a, have been to space. Yeah, them. exactly. None of the X-Men have ever been to space before, but they're just there. Mystique kind of gets in Charles' ass about that. Yeah, she should. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like that uh, we've been saving your ass, or women have been saving your ass, you should be called X-Women. I like that line. Yeah, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Me and Sky were sitting there. Yeah, it was, was interesting. It was like, mm-hmm. mm, okay, okay. Yeah, that's all right. I, I, mm-hmm. I get the pass. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, 20 or so... 20 or so minutes into it, I thought it wasn't going to be that bad, mm-hmm. but it uh, it kept going. Yeah, it did, didn't it? Yeah, okay. Look, before I say anything about this movie, I've got to let you know, I love the X-Men, like with a deep and unreserved love, okay? Like the X-Men was my comic back in the day. I actually yeah. owned a subscription to X-Men comics, okay? okay? Like I was really into X-Men. I had I would cut out my favorite pages and put them on my wall. I was when the movies came out, I loved them even though we kind of the movies are either really good or really bad. Like there's no in between. There's no mediocre X-Men movies. There's just terrible ones and good ones. Um I wasn't sure what to think about this. I was a lot like you. The first 20 minutes, I was like, this is weird that they're going into space without any preparation. But okay, it's like the comic book. I can get into this. This is interesting. And then it just took a turn. Simon Kenberg has written this story twice and he screwed it up both times. Mm. Like it, the problem is they have all of the right elements and all the setups, all the setup to really tell this story right and get the themes right. Because that's the thing. The X-Men more so than the Avengers or any of the other Marvel properties are really about the underlying themes. The X-Men is this motley crew of people who are expressing social problems mm. as a whole. Uh, they're with their own individual stories. They're not like the Avengers where it's just like, I am mighty, we are taking over, like that kind of thing. It's a different situation, right? They're also kind of like mm-hmm. a family, right? They live exactly. together. The Avengers exactly. mm-hmm. hang out sometimes, yeah. but they have their own lives. Exactly. And But the X-Men, they are each other's lives. Right. Their relationships are central to the stories. And they have all of the elements to set all of that up and explore the themes through doing that. And they always drop the ball when it comes to Dark Phoenix. Because even though Mystique has that great line about how this should be the X-Women, that's exactly what the story is about. And they still screw it up and make it all about the men taking over. Absolutely. It's wrong. The Avengers films are special because it takes the whole team to come together to face and take on this this dire threat. Thanos, mm-hmm. Ultron, Loki and his army, etc. Mm-hmm. The worst X-Men films which to me are Apocalypse, Mm -hmm. Last Stand, and this movie. Mm -hmm. 
they're kind of directing all their energy at one thing. Right. And not really an ideology or exactly time or mm-hmm. there's those are what the best films have been about. Mm-hmm. The whole idea behind the X-Men is that this is a group of outsiders who are trying their best to be a part of society or to create their own niche in society. Right. And what that means to be different, but also to be okay. Yes. Right. Just to survive. Exactly. Just Not just to survive, but to thrive in a right. situation where, you know, you are not meant to thrive. I mean, there's a reason why there's the whole, where Stan Lee originally created the X-Men to kind of parallel issues that were coming up in the uh, American civil rights movement. And right. there's a reason that it's like that, you know? So taking that and turning it into, oh no, there's this scary woman and here's how she responds to all of the men in her life. That's just so cheap. Absolutely. So cheap. And it really sucks. Mm-hmm. This is this is almost the equivalent of having Civil War after four MCU films, maybe three MCU films. Mm-hmm. We don't have a deep connection to this new Jean Grey character to really mm-hmm. worry about her, care about her, or care about her relationships to anybody. We don't. And there's not enough continuity between, even though they're supposed to be the same person, there's not enough continuity between Famke Jansen's Jean Grey and Sophie, what's her name? Sophie Turner. Sophie Turner's Jean Grey. There's not enough commonality in between those character arcs to make them seem like the same person. Right. Which is problematic. So, for example, you kind of get that, okay, Charles Xavier, James McAvoy, Charles Xavier, and Patrick Stewart, Charles Xavier, eventually merge. Right. Right. Even though uh, 1992, 2000, man, they age bad. Uh, yeah. How does, how <laughs> yeah. does uh, Michael Fassbender turn into Gandalf in Exactly. In, eight in years? years, right. Exactly. But, you know, man, Michael Fassbender, Gandalf. You get the idea they're the same character. They're playing versions of the same character that eventually converge on each other. Right. You don't get that with Sophie Turner and Famke Jansen at all. True. They don't seem like the same person or even like they have the same character arc. So, Totally. Mm-hmm. This movie not only kind of reheats plot points from The Last Stand, it also does so from the new movies. And it kind of makes some new like what the fuck moments. So we're going to get into mm-hmm. those. Okay. Uh, so number one, just like Apocalypse, Magneto is somehow peaceful, but a sudden event causes him to be, to be back on his bullshit again. Yeah, and all his power levels are mad inconsistent. Right. You know, on that note, I'm still kind of heated that after Magneto essentially killed millions, if not billions, in Apocalypse, mm-hmm. Charles just laughed him off at the end of that movie. Mm-hmm. And then in this movie, the government, without any exposition, mm-hmm. they just have given him. Yeah, and okay. Is, and some mutants mm-hmm. federally protected lands like their Native yeah. Americans. That was actually something I noticed that really worked for the early X-Men films, but doesn't work anymore because we're used to superhero films. Uh, it was kind of, that was in the comic books. And if you've read the comics, sure. that makes a lot more sense. Sure. Just the whole Genosha situation. Sure, of course. But if you haven't read the comics and you're just watching the film, it's like, what is, I mean, I have read the comics, but that was 20 years ago. So I'm just like, uh, what? Oh yeah, Genosha. You know, I had no idea. So... That doesn't really work anymore. You can't really just fan service all of the major plot points of a film like you could back when X-Men, the X-Men films first began to come out. Especially after what he did. I mean, mm-hmm. I rewatched parts of Apocalypse before this review, and it wasn't like Apocalypse brainwashed Magneto. Mm-hmm. Magneto willingly chose to fight with Apocalypse, mm-hmm. and... I mean, you saw what that the montage of how he was destroying cities with his powers. He mm-hmm. killed countless people. I mean, mm. we're talking millions. I said millions, if not billions. Mm. Charles didn't even 
talk about it at the end of that right. movie, and they don't address this mm-hmm. at all in this movie. There's just no yeah. consequence. They right. don't care about their own continuity. He's just hanging out on mutant reservation. Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. Especially considering that in Days of Future Past, he was suspected of having assassinated a president, and he was in that prison underneath the Pentagon. That what they don't have anything anymore. I mean, right. for doing much smaller things, he's been imprisoned before in other right. X Men movies. But this one, you're right. It does seem really weird because they don't explain it at all. Yeah, I mean, he almost killed, and he almost killed the real president mm-hmm. at the end of Days of Future Past, exactly. right? Exactly. And then mm-hmm. he just goes away. Yeah, exactly. Kills he's just, billions, yeah. mm-hmm. and then he comes back with here, here's some land. Yeah, exactly. Now he's you know building tiny houses and on far- an and farms. Yeah. Like this is so. <laughs> right. He's uh, anyway. Mm-hmm. Number two, mm-hmm. Charles Xavier blocking some memories of Jean, similar to Last Stand, mm-hmm. and now she's more unstable and angry at him because of it. Mm-hmm. reheated yeah reheated someone tries to talk to gene in her crazy state and loses their life okay you're right now here's the thing i don't mind the reheating but do it right right because again the problem is there's no continuity between famka and sophie right so you're gonna reheat and you're telling the same is literally the same story so you're telling Almost. the same story or trying to tell the same general story with different with all different characters and different beats, but you know, the same idea, right? Yeah. I don't mind reheating the the crucial moments because you're cribbing those straight from the comic book. Fine. But do it right. Don't make it, don't make it feel like you're copying the same moment. Don't make it feel like fan service of fan service of fan service. Because you're fan servicing mm-hmm. a shitty movie. Exactly. Like, what are you doing? Exactly. What are you doing? Exactly. Do it better than the last time you did it because nobody liked it the last time you did it. Number four. Quicksilver is used in a scene or two, but then something happens and he's gone because it would make defeating the enemies much easier with him there. Of course. Yeah, exactly. But they kind of misused that character anyway. I mean, his first appearance in Days of Future Past was really cool. And then they just kind of kept doing that again and again and again until it got old. Like, really? You're just going to show up and have a classic song play and everything slows down. Uh, Ooh, yay. uh, Boring. Anyway, misusing the character. Let me get back to just the general thoughts in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, like we said, I think in the beginning, it was not as bad as we thought it was going to be. Okay. I, I Like I said, I love the X-Men. I had not high hopes, but I had hopes. And it, it definitely didn't reach any of them. Let me talk about my first major strike for this movie. Mm-hmm. Similar to The Last Stand, the team goes to Jean's home to talk to her. Mm-hmm. And it starts off innocuous. Gene, mm-hmm. come home. We can help you. When dialogue fails, Nightcrawler teleports to try to bring her back. She shrugs him off. I completely forgot that. You're right. Yeah. She That's shrugs him off. That's how bad this movie was. Shrugs him off. And maybe 30 seconds later, Storm is literally calling upon Lightning to shoot at her. For what? Exactly. Yeah. We're trying mm-hmm. to bring her home or kill her now. Yeah, and are you one. trying to convince her now mm-hmm. to come back? Come back or we'll kill you. And what I also found annoying is that Storm and Jean have no kind of relationship whatsoever in the movie. Did, did right? they even talk no, to each other? Exactly. No, they're just like fighting with each other or fighting in the general vicinity of each other for right. much of the movie. And here's my thing again the whole Dark Phoenix story is a commentary on femininity and society. And how are you going to do that if none of the women talk to each other Ooh. unless they're about to die? Like, it really does become all about... It, honestly, this movie was not Dark Phoenix. It was male gaze. Mm. I pretty much gave up during the fight scene 
in New York. Charles and Mags are at random odds again. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Charles tells him, if we fight in the streets, they consider us monsters again. And Magneto does exactly what I did. He rolls his eyes like the most epic eye roll. Like his eyes like fall out, bounce along the ground. He's got to pick him back and put him in. I'm like, you're really doing this again? Come on now. There's always a speech. There's, exactly. And nobody cares. Ex- that's ex- he was the voice of the audience in Pretty that much. moment. Yeah, because it was really, we've done this every single time. This is a completely different situation. It's, it's like Fassbender was just talking to, to us, the camera. Exactly. Like, he, he's tired of this shit. I'm exactly. tired. Exactly. Although apparently he only came back, most of the actors in this only came back because of the director. Like, nobody wanted to be there. Huh. Which is obvious in some of the performances. Yes. Jennifer Lawrence. Yes. She's totally just like, when is when is this over? Right. Let me out. Her makeup is exactly. so minimal this time. Exactly. Don't turn me blue. You, they, you get exactly six shots of blue They had some blue paint. Yeah. And they got some magic marker and put exactly. some black dots on her and that was about it exactly exactly but anyway let me, let me go back to it so sorry no so charles is trying to convince Manuel, like let's not fight but what does cyclops doing a minute later he's shooting wild in a populated street just hidden cars hidden everything okay can i just say Talk i don't it. know who this actor what's his name ty sheridan ty sheridan i've never seen him in anything else but he is the worst cyclops oh, ever man. and it's hard to be a bad cyclops because nobody likes cyclops i mean come on cyclops is the Aquaman of the X-Men. Oh, shout out shout yeah. out to my man Fleet at the Wizard's Wagon. It's, it's a co-owned uh oh, black yeah. co-owned uh mm-hmm. comic store in, in St. Louis oh, yeah. where I'm from. Cool. He's a he's a he's a huge Cyclops fan. Are you serious? Huge Cyclops he's fan. the only Cyclops. I'd love fan. to have him on the show and Are you serious? talk about why why he's why he's <laughs> okay, the best. Okay, well, Fleet, if you're listening, tell me why you like Cyclops cuz nobody likes Cyclops. Are you serious? Oh, damn. Anyway, uh, like it's hard to be a bad it's hard to be a bad Cyclops because Cyclops is kind of just there he's you know like a super goody goody and he's got one power um, mm. he has some interesting storylines that go with him but again those storylines don't focus on him as much as people who are connected to him I think uh, uh, you, you, you done made an enemy oh no I'm sorry but hey I said what I said point being this actor's horrible okay. like this actor's really horrible and it's hard to be horrible in this role you just have to be there just be there really good just read your lines man. read your lines and you know hit the button on your visor but he's awful he has that moment where he's trying to be all like tough yeah tough and hard and he it's just i laughed like it was that bad should we i don't want to should we spoil i don't want to spoil that it doesn't matter i don't think it matters i mean but they have pretty much one opportunity to use the f word and they give it to him they did it right again these movies are either great or horrible they they either do it really right or really wrong and they messed it up this time so Going on with, with this scene, Magneto, who picked up an entire baseball stadium in his prime two movies ago, struggles to like lift a subway car out the ground for right. no reason. There right. was literally no reason for why he did this. Mm-hmm. He goes in to try to confront Gene. Mm-hmm. Gene starts to crush his, this is on the trailer, it's not a spoiler, mm-hmm. it's in the trailer. She begins to crush Magneto's head with his own helmet. Mm-hmm. Then she rips it into four pieces and impales him mm-hmm. in four vital parts of his body, sending him crashing out of a second floor window into the street that's already riddled with broken everything. Mm-hmm. And he is <laughs> knocked out. Right. Now, he gets arrested. And the next time you see him, it's again in the trailer on the train, completely fine. Mm-hmm. There's not even a Band-Aid on this dude. Right. An ice pack. Right. I was done. I was like, yeah. if you don't care, 
<laughs> I don't care. It doesn't care about its own movie plot. It doesn't care about its no own kind of continuity. continuity. Yeah. Again, this movie takes place in 1992. Fassbender returns to Gandalf in eight years, apparently. Also, was there anything in this movie that made you think 1992? No. Like there was, I mean, like you said before, when we did Miss Marvel, 1990, Captain Marvel, yeah. Cap, yeah, sorry, <laughs> Captain Marvel, uh, the 90s are now kind of a period piece and there was no 90s nostalgia in this at all. Absolutely not. Like there wasn't even a 90s Quicksilver song. That was weird. Yeah, doesn't even care about its own like movie continuity. Remember in Age in Apocalypse, Gene visibly displays the Phoenix Bird mm-hmm. in the final battle, mm-hmm. and that aspect is completely ignored in this movie. Right, it's almost like Apocalypse didn't happen. But again, it's the same writer. He should know his own story beats. But same I don't producer. think he's that good. Yeah, okay, he's true. Kinda, oh, that's right. He didn't he's, write. Apocalypse. He's kind of like a feige it seems right character did he write apocalypse or just produce it though because he wrote oh i'm, I'm tripping you're right he, he wrote it yeah he did write it mm-hmm. i'm sorry you're right or he was one of the writers anyway yeah mm-hmm. so let's talk about the aliens oh eye <clears throat> rolls. yeah so the aliens in this movie are pretty forgettable and frankly just yeah. the wrong ones they're mm-hmm. not at all the why was her name Leandra and the... Uh, the Shi'ar. Shi'ar, yes. yes. They should be the Shi'ar, and they're not. They're they, the Dabari. Yeah, but they're not even really the Dabari. They're the scrolls, but we couldn't afford the licensing. Right. Like, it was it was weird. Well, they're actually from the comics. I know, but yeah. the, the Dabari in the comics are totally are different. different. Yes, yeah, these basically true. were scrolls. Did you notice how quickly they killed other people but the heroes? Oh, totally. Like, yeah. they, like they have powers, like telekinetic. I don't even know what their po- their powers were never explained. Yeah. Really, the Phoenix and what it was and why it, it was it was kind of half explained. Yeah. They and didn't the really go into fan service down. Like they stuff. sort of expected you to know what it was and just be impressed by seeing it on the screen. But right. again, that doesn't work for superhero movies anymore. That hasn't worked since X two. Right. Yeah, Jessica Chastain was absolutely wasted. There was another black character who was kind of like her sidekick. Her. Second Major in command Domo, or something. Command, I don't know. Yeah. He had nothing to do. To be honest. They were so yeah, deadpan. It they, was horrible. They weren't dangerous until the last scene. And right. by then it was too late. To be honest, nothing about this movie was good until the very last fight scene. The train scene. scene was pretty cool. Yeah. But you know why it was cool? Is that it's all reshoots. Right. So that's also why Magneto looked completely fine in the train. Because right. they didn't even bother with the continuity. It was all completely reshoots. They called them all off other movies and other projects to reshoot that whole last battle. I think this was done like a year after the principal exactly. photography was done. Exactly. Yeah. So they were not in the mood anyway so yeah how do you explain all that magneto just went through mm-hmm. he literally like i checked out mm-hmm. how do you impale a man with four metal blades send him out of a window mm-hmm. and then he's fine the next scene well you wait a year and then you call them back and you say hey we're gonna reshoot <laughs> that's how Ooh. yeah that was rough yeah i mean that final scene on the train that's exact okay listen the one thing i liked about this movie was the fight scenes yes they were really well done because the x-men are brawlers that's six different people fighting six more people they have all got powers they're basically the mma fighters of uh of, of the marvel universe yeah. right like they're rough and tough and dangerous yeah. and they they love it and everybody's fighting it's like this free-for-all yeah that worked out really well. Nightcrawler had a scene that rivals mm-hmm. his X2 uh, opening against the, against the White House. I don't know if I agree with that, but okay. I mean, but he went the, pretty ham. He did go pretty ham, but the problem is there was no, he had no other real character moments. So no, you're absolutely didn't right. Really care you're absolutely yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying as a character, I'm saying that mm-hmm. that isolated scene. That isolated if, scene, sure. Mm-hmm. If I were to put them back to mm-hmm. back on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. 
this one was pretty okay, cool. Fair enough. Storm awesome. finally gets to go off and do her thing. Yeah. Which I like. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there were some, the, the final fight scene was awesome. Yeah. It was great. Uh, I'll watch that again on YouTube, but yeah. it didn't need the whole rest of the movie for that to happen. <laughs> all right. I don't want to go on this too long. Yeah, yeah, sorry. No, no, you're good. Mm-hmm. I was disappointed. That's all. That's yeah. my review. Disappointment. Not a recommendation from us. You could either YouTube the train sequence or just mm-hmm. wait for Netflix you if know, you're absolutely bored. Yeah. Something I thought really quickly, something I thought when I was watching this film is that um, the the streaming services are really changing the way that we discover tv and discover different characters and different properties because mm-hmm. when i was watching the film i thought you know if this was back in the day and i was just like supposed to be doing chores and the tv was on in the background and this came on i would totally watch it and be interested in it but having to intentionally watch this it doesn't work and pay for it like, exactly and pay for it right get out of my house exactly if it was just on you know upn <laughs> one day yeah. i'd totally be into it because it was it's just it's it's interesting to watch but I wouldn't intentionally choose to watch it. And if it was on, I think, as its own thing, mm-hmm. sure. But it has the weight of 11 other, past movies. Yeah, 11 other movies. And when, it, you know, mm-hmm. when X-Men first came out, it was, it was it. That was, that was, they were, they were yeah. A-listers. That was the pinnacle of superhero film yes. at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now it's just, to see it just yeah. peter out mm-hmm. like this and, is sad. Yeah. And it, it's weird. It's real sad. Yeah, that franchise, it got better and better and better. But now it's really gone out with a bang or what's, not with a bang. With what's a, your with favorite X-Men movie, by the way? Not counting the, the standalones like Logan or Deadpool. Oh, okay. So I was going to say those are, those are different. But uh, favorite X-Men movie? Mm-hmm. Probably X2. Okay. Yeah. Because I, it, it pulled it because nobody was doing superhero sequels yet really it was the first superhero sequel that was like oh maybe these franchises will work because that was still a new concept so to have the x-men movie which was good but not amazing but really good and really fun for fans of the the series Mm. then to do x2 which was a great standalone movie it was great yeah that was that's probably my favorite Mm, even though yeah in high school when i saw this Mm -hmm. Seeing Phoenix was cool, mm-hmm. but in hindsight, it's like, why? Mm-hmm. I I want to say I think I liked First Class. Okay, yeah. The best. Yeah, First Class was okay to me. I still i I was way too attached to Patrick Stewart and Gandalf. What's his name? Ian McKellen. Yes. I was way too attached to them to really be in love with the idea of brand new Magneto and James. I to be honest, I like uh. The new Magneto, mm-hmm. but I I'm still not really into James McAvoy as Professor X. I never really got a hold of him in that role. That's fair, actually. Yeah. I mm-hmm. I completely agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that first class, the you know him hunting down the Nazis is really cool. Yeah, and just his drama with uh, James McAvoy, I thought was mm-hmm. was very interesting. Yeah, but I mean, I, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I definitely like the new Magneto. Just yeah, sure. I want to go really quick into the numbers of this movie. Okay. So the budget is, it was two hundred million. And with the reshoots and marketing, it's projected that the budget is around $350 million. Goodness. It made $33 million domestic as an opening that, uh, this past weekend, a oh, franchise that's low. bad. RT, oh, wow. RT has it currently at 23%, another franchise low. Ouch. Metacritic is at 43 So the expectations were for it to make $40 million in the opening weekend mm-hmm. and about 100 million all-time domestic. Um, but right now, I'd be surprised if it made 70 million. Wow, that's terrible. The next highest opening was The Wolverine, mm-hmm. which is actually 
was I thought was pretty good. It I, had a it had a not great ending, but that was the one in Japan, right? Yes. Yeah, I didn't like that one. Really? Okay. No. But it opened at fifty three million. The highest? Can you guess the highest? I would say Logan. Are, are we counting Deadpool? Because we're counting Deadpool. all those. Yes, okay, yes. then it would be Deadpool. Deadpool opened up mm-hmm. one hundred thirty million, followed by Deadpool two hundred twenty five million, mm-hmm. and the Last Stand number three hundred and two. Really? Well, I guess yeah. The expectation had been built up so much before yes. the Last Stand because at that point there were no bad X Men movies, right. so nobody was expecting it to be yeah. not good. And to be honest, you know, I rewatched it last night in preparation for this because huh? it's the same story, right? Uh, just told in a different bad way. Uh, and it's it, in hindsight, it's not that bad. It's got some interesting moments and it takes some interesting risks, but it still isn't a good retelling of the story. Do you think it's better than Dark Phoenix? Yes. Interesting, because for me, I haven't seen Last Stand in a long time, mm-hmm. but I actually think Dark Phoenix is better than Last Stand. Really? Not by much. Okay. I, I think Dark Phoenix is bad. And I put it out on, when I was talking about it on Facebook, I laughed walking out this movie. Oh, no. I cackled. As soon as the credits rolled in. Sky was there. I was cackling like mm. like Mark Hamill Joker laughing. Oh no! And everyone's turning around like, "What? What's? No! Oh no! I cackled my ass off. Oh. I walked out the theater, went to the bathroom, mm-hmm. laughing in the bathroom, and walked back into the theater laughing. Oh wow! Okay. It was, God, it was bad. Okay. So as of this recording, mm-hmm. Dark Phoenix has made about one hundred and forty-two million dollars worldwide, all combined. Right. Wow. And as we know, a movie needs to make its production budget times two point five to be to be worth to, it to consider yeah. a success. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's going to make over two hundred fifty. Yeah. It, it's yeah. Gonna die out. This really, franchise really has gone out with a whimper, which is sad. I it's wish rumored. it had been really good. Yeah. Uh, it's rumored that this will lose between 100 and 120 million. Ouch. Mm, very ouch. That's sad. Well, let's move on. Okay. To Men in Black. Yeah. Okay. So I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this because I, like I said before, I'm totally indifferent to it. But so what we, did you think? So we were supposed to record yesterday and we had a, a mix up. So mm-hmm. I actually had the chance to go see this mm-hmm. uh, on my own. Mm-hmm. Did you like the first Men in Black movie? Yes, but as far as I'm concerned, that's the only Men in Black movie. The yeah. other two, eh, meh. Yeah, I think Men in Black 2 was probably the worst movie experience I have had to date. Like, I almost walked out of that movie. I wow. hated it so much. Well, I mean, it had the guy from Jackass. How could it not have been good? Oh, right. That's true. <laughs> Johnny Knoxville was in that movie. That's yeah. true. You're right. So... I don't want to keep us here too long. This is a sequel to the first three Men in Black movies with Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. They actually acknowledge the pair in the film. So it's not... It is a reboot of the franchise with new characters, Mm -hmm. but it's still in the same universe. It's an expansion. That's okay. That's an interesting idea. Um, Have you seen Men in Black 3? Uh, Yeah, but you know, honestly, I don't remember it. Yeah. So... Agent O, uh, Emma Thompson's mm-hmm. character, that, that older white British yeah. lady, is carried over into this film. Okay. So it kind of had it adds some continuity. Continuity. To it. Okay. Cool. So yeah, um, the movie actually starts off pretty interesting. Uh, it's a flip on the '98 movie, uh, where you know Will Smith is this hotshot cop who's mm-hmm. found by MIB, and in this one, Tessa Thompson's character Molly finds them. Okay, that's interesting. As a child. 
she meets an alien and she sees MIB agents and has dedicated her life to tracking them down to join them. Wait, wait, did they not flashy thing her? And I'll get to that later. Oh, okay. Um, so where Will Smith's Jay was tapped primarily for his physical ability of mm-hmm. running down a cephalopoid. Uh, sorry, nerdy. <laughs> Actually, that's that's a great reference, yeah. That first movie was really yeah. good, yeah. But in this movie, Molly is tapped for her brilliant mind. Okay. So, yeah, so she's she's a very by-the-book, thorough agent. Not as dry as Time Lee Jones. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, she works a case with the most promising agent in London, H., played by Chris Hemsworth, who mm-hmm. is the hotshot. Okay, so this is interesting. This is a good setup. Yeah, okay. so while working the case, they discover bigger conspiracy, you know how that works. Mm-hmm. And that dynamic and that, that origin, it helps separate this new entry from the preceding films, which have kind of had very similar story beats, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so continuing from Thor and Endgame, uh, the chemistry between Chris and Tessa, I think, great yeah okay there's actually a callback to thor where he picks up a tiny hammer in a fight scene it, it was it was oh really yeah okay cute but anyway essentially chris hemsworth is archer <laughs> in this i'm not even i'm not making <laughs> oh, this up wow okay <laughs> that's He's, interesting okay yeah mm-hmm. the handsome talented uh there's even like uh some workers in the in mib who are like googly over over this guy just just like <laughs> Okay. And Archer. But yeah, you know, he's a he's a talented but reckless guy who goes by his mm-hmm. gut. Mm-hmm. Tessa is kind of like the Lana Kane character in some ways, <laughs> minus the romantic history. Um there was actually there was a little romantic tension hinted at, mm-hmm. but thankfully it never comes to fruition. It's not Good. like she's the object or she has to be converted to his charm and whims. Okay. So far, yeah. so good. Yeah, there, there's there's actually a couple of subversions in the story where you think it's gonna go somewhere, like, oh, this is a common trope, and then it actually mm-hmm. goes a different way. Mm. Uh, Liam Neeson is the stern, but actually a little more chill than you think boss, high T. Uh, he's definitely lighter than some of his more recent roles, but he definitely <laughs> gives several um, fucking Liam ne- Neeson mm-hmm. scowls throughout the film. Does, does he stand on a street corner with a kosh waiting to beat a black guy at any moment? Oh, damn. No. Okay, good. It, so it's not as dark as it could have gotten. No. Good. He, you know, no scowls at, at uh, Tessa. In this movie. Oh, good. Okay. Speaking of just black men, period, I think I counted two black men in that entire cast. That's interesting. Or in, in the entire, like, it might be office. Really? They, I, like, they all had a, a gathering when they, like, cheered mm-hmm. for H, and it, I counted just two two black guys. That's an interesting inversion, considering how Will Smith was so central to the first three. Although, to be fair, he was the only black guy. Very so, true. yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. So... I want to talk a little bit about the world building. Uh, this is international. Okay. Uh, the movie starts off in Paris, and uh, M is assigned to a position in London. The villains are brown people who come from Marrakesh. You just eye-rolled. I literally <sighs> typed out eye-rolled. I did eye-roll at that. Really? Um, the world building is a step in the right direction, though, and it makes the MIB universe a little bigger. So when it's international, is it just like European countries, or do they do other stuff, too? Like I said, they went to Marrakesh for for a bit Yeah, but, of the film. Okay, is it non-villainous, non-European countries, or is it just... Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's, yeah. A, that's, a, that's a mark off. We're, we're, starting, okay. we're starting to get there. We're starting to get there. Okay, we're downward spiral commencing in. Three, two, one. Anyway, uh, the way they move around the, the Earth is pretty cool. Okay, it's they kind of have like their own little underground hyper hyper loop 
they can get get, get from like New York okay. to like London in like minutes or oh, something. That's clever. It, was, it was pretty cool. Okay. There were different kinds of aliens, which was cool, but admittedly a lot of them were humanoid, so I kind of noticed a lack of imagination. Uh, in interesting. That way. Okay. No worm guys. They were they were there. Oh good. Okay. So that's about where it stops being good. Oh, oh no. Oh, so soon. Yeah. Okay. So good things. Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson's chemistry. Okay, check. Was like pretty much like for me the really big positive. Okay, and they've worked together a lot before, so yeah. that's cool. So if they do do a sequel and they have better writers, mm-hmm. great. But let me get to the, Oh no. to the okay. bullshit. Okay. So one of the biggest hurdles I think people have talked about for the sequel is the fact that in 1998 there were no smartphones, which made it easier to contain stories and leaks about aliens, right? Okay. So in this reboot, you're thinking, how do you address the fact that people can live stream or send out information almost as soon as they see it? Well, the answer is they don't uh, do anything. What? Oh, that's that's lame. Oh, it's so it's, they have a whole like underground flu network to take you from country to country, but smartphones they don't exist. What? Yeah. So like, okay. there are large shootouts in populated areas. And the issue of social media is never addressed. There was, so they went to Marrakesh for this, there was a shootout there full of people. And there were never any consequences for the destruction. No civilians hurt that we saw in battle. TMZ didn't show up once. No, wow. Nothing. Okay. There's a big night shootout in London mm-hmm. and there are no people there at all, which is, how does that work? Yeah, what? Right. And even, even at that point when, it might be like trucks come in for the full cleaning of, of the area. There's no people there to actually cleanse. Okay. And uh, it's, it's, it's got sloppy. It's ri- ridiculous. Was this an older script that they just resurrected or something? I really don't know. Because that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Okay. But in that shootout, there was a scene where they were pulling out guns out mm-hmm. of different, different parts of the outside of the car that I mm-hmm. thought was really inventive mm-hmm. and cool. Okay. Again, that's like a YouTube okay. thing right there. Um, Just... It started to get sloppy in that way, uh, even in the beginning. So I talked about Molly as a child seeing the alien. So right. an alien kind of bursts into her parents' house or her her house when she was a kid. Mm-hmm. And the parents go outside. They they try to call animal services and MIB shows up. <laughs> okay. And they're like, oh, hey, we heard you had a, a, a problem. They ask the parent, is there anyone else inside? Oh, it's just our, our daughter, but she's asleep. They neuralize the parents. Mm-hmm. They don't go inside to check if they're lying. They don't go inside to check if the daughter was really asleep. So and they just... don't, and they don't go inside to actually catch the alien. What? So, I feel like I'm saying what a lot here. This is not a good sign. It gets really sloppy. Okay. Um, so she just is. A, she knows about MIB because of a loophole. Right. She pretty much from her window sees her parents get neutralized by them, and the alien shows up in her room. Wow. And she just lets it go out of her window, and then that's it. Wow. That's, so that's it. What you're saying is Santa Claus has better data control policies than MIB. Pretty much. Okay. Okay. Moving on. Even the way that Molly tracks MIB down further mm-hmm. shows how sloppy they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at, in the middle of the movie, H&M discovered this catastrophic mystery weapon. Time out. It's Agent H&M. Oh, that's hilarious. Okay, moving on. Oh, that's on. true, yeah. yeah. <laughs> H&M discovered a catastrophic weapon while trying to stay under the radar incognito. Uh-huh. And without any knowledge of how to use it, they test it out for no other reason than their own curiosity. And they cause and they cause massive damage. Luckily, this was like in a non-populated area, mm-hmm. like a desert. Mm. But 
you don't think it might be or other aliens would have like satellites to track that kind of activity it it got really sloppy you wouldn't think wouldn't you think that after the disaster that was will smith's agent k or agent j rather agent j wouldn't you think that have better training procedures right because this 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 sounds like they're trying to play off that kind of sloppy seat of the pants thing but that only works if it's one guy who's like that if the whole agency's like that and yeah. he's your best agent Oh, again wow. and again this is it's yeah. like archer it really is archer yeah, like because because okay. archer would try to test that out All right fair enough but i'm like just but do they take it far enough where it's funny or if it just seems like that doesn't make sense because we'll i mean get, there's we'll a way there. to get like sl- to be like farcical we'll and slapsticky about it. in That's short cool. it's very bland oh to, to be okay honest. i mean it might be supposed to be the best of the best but mm-hmm. this movie never gave you that feeling mm. um like i said it has this archer feel where things just kind of work out mm-hmm. for them but at least Archer had great jokes and, yeah. and character moments. Because this, Archer's this had, so over the top, yeah. This had very little of that. Oh. B- beside their overall chemistry, there was really nothing about them that was really interesting to me. Oh. There was one particular Deus Ex Machina moment at the end of the second act that I rolled my eyes hard at. Oh, no. Um, the end of the movie, the, like, the way they beat the villain is another inconvenience with no explanation. Um, <laughs> okay. And there were really just a lot of those kind of conveniences. I just... There were just there were no stakes in this movie. I felt no stakes in this really? movie. Really? Oh, that's that's not a good sign either. Um, I want to talk about the brown villains really quick. Oh no! The way they were introduced was terrifying. Like oh. I really was like, wow, this is really going to go somewhere. Hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before you continue, I just want to point out. So this is a movie about aliens from outer space, and there are still somehow brown villains. Okay, so how this works? The aliens are kind of like spatial entities, mm-hmm. and then they land in marrakesh for a random reason and they kind of like absorb a brown person really <laughs> i just <laughs> yes I'm, I'm not making this up who okay wow that's that's awful okay fine moving on okay so so i should also add that they don't talk oh <sighs> And it's near silent brown people against the white people. And as the movie goes on, their the roles worsen. They're really only there to approach and chase the main characters. There's never really they don't talk, there's no real arc. Uh Edward, the bug from the original, had so much more to do. Mm, I still wow. remember that that whole sugar. War, yeah, yeah, yeah. Egger suit. That was a you know? yeah, he was a great villain. Right. This I, suddenly I'm understanding why Will Smith spent the whole of this movie across the hall singing and dancing to brown people. Like wow, this sounds awful. No, it's not. It's not good. And there's a club scene where the it's, it's actually two brown people. They're like twins. They they try to blend into the club by okay. popping and locking, and they were actually really good at it. Wait, I know this because I saw an article. This is actually these these two twins are actually famous dancers. Okay, who are in this movie, but I didn't realize they had that big of a role and that they did the whole like, look, we're dance. Oh no. Yeah, it was pretty bad. So if you don't know who they are, that's really bad. It was pretty bad. So yeah, oh, no. it was like here's your here's your scene to like dance and look cool, but it had nothing to do with the movie. It was just a showcase of just what they could do. Uh-huh. It was like imagine if Michael Myers was brown with a twin and just popped and locked in the middle of a club to get closer to killing someone. Like it was just <laughs> beyond stupid. It was beyond stupid. I that's amazing though. That that's a great visual. Uh, on the on the subject of pointless scenes. Uh-huh. I want to talk about this. Oh, this one, it was egregious. Uh, oh, no. So H, Chris Hemsworth has a 
gambling scene with mm-hmm. aliens. It's re- it was it was it was really arch. It was such okay. an arch moment. He's a gambling scene with these aliens. Mm-hmm. And he gets bitten by an alien snake, and there's a female octopus looking alien. Like, you want the antidote? Yes, I'll do anything. Anything. Oh no. You know where this is going. Oh, I don't want to. So of course, the next scene is Chris Hemsworth in the bed shirtless because of course we have to see his amazing body well, yeah we do but still and he has this, the 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 a tentacle on his on his <laughs> on his on his body well at least she's not a polar bear and there's <laughs> would, I, would i rather the polar bear though look you brought this up no, i'm, I'm not, sorry i'm sorry i just you, know you started it okay that's look <laughs> that's true i tried to let it go yeah okay i i think i should have let you let it go but I'm anyway sorry. but no this scene goes there's literally nothing about that scene that contributes to the movie at all okay okay let me ask you this ask me this was there any point in the movie that you laughed out loud no really there is the action was not thrilling or or fun Mm -hmm. and the jokes were very bland wow because even watching even if i watch the first men in black film now i laugh i like giggle out loud it's a funny movie yeah but this movie does not sound funny it was pretty bad it's a very middle of the road film which sucks. Mm. Uh, like I wasn't angry at the movie, like I was with Men in Black Two, or laughing at it like Dark Phoenix. Mm-hmm. It was just, I felt like Tyra Banks, you know that a GIF where she's like, <laughs> "I was rooting for you." <laughs> we were all rooting for you. Yeah, yeah, like the first, the first twenty minutes, I'm like, okay, I really, I'm kind of curious about where this is going to go, mm-hmm. and it just, it goes nowhere. Oh, see, I, no heart, weak yeah. comedy, no action. It's that's a no for me, dog. Yeah, I can I get it. Yeah. To be honest, I was so indifferent to this film. I forgot it was coming out and yeah. like nothing about it. Like there was not really a great media campaign for this, at no. least not internationally, because I which is ironic considering it's MIB International. But I didn't really it just wasn't on my radar at all. I didn't even think about it. So I'm disappointed to hear that it's as bland as it's been presented so far. Yeah. Yeah. I want this to win. Yeah. And it didn't. And the reviews are pretty bad about it too. I think it's at like a thirty something percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now too. Mm-hmm. So just a Sony man, mm-hmm. Sony. You know you had Ghostbusters. They're trying to revive that, and that was that was terrible. It, you know, I know you, no, it it's not popular to say that, but it wasn't. It good. wasn't a train wreck to me. Yeah, but it definitely didn't justify its existence. And this is yeah. this is a similar thing to yeah. me, where I definitely regretted going to theater to see this. Really? Yeah. Oh. That's disappointing. Okay. <laughs> What's coming up? Toy Story comes out this week or next week. Oh, that's another one that's honestly not real. I mean, I'm kind of the only thing I know about this new Toy Story is that Keanu Reeves is a character. By the way, congratulations, rest of the world, for discovering Keanu Reeves. I've loved him since what was the one the the movie he did where he was a soccer or not a soccer player, a hockey player that like small Canadian movie, like Crimson Rage or something. No, No, (laughs) Oh my gosh. No, like he was like, what is the name of that movie? Raging Tides, Crimson Rage. If you know what it is, put it in the comments. I used to know it. I don't know it anymore. No, not not Crimson Tide. (laughs) No, not Crimson Tide. Um, But yeah, I've loved him forever. So it's nice that the rest of the world is rediscovering him now. He was at E3. Was he? Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, he's a, he's in a game, isn't he? He's that shocked the hell out of me. Did yeah. it? Well, okay, we'll get there. Well, we'll yeah. let me just note that we're going to talk about E3 next week, so okay. keep in, keep hold for that. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. This concludes the latest episode of Blurred Up. If you want to find us, again, we are on Facebook at B-L-E-R-D-U-P. We are on 
Twitter at B-L-E-R-D-U. And we're on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D period U-P. Find me on the Youngblood. That's what it is. Youngblood. Don't find me on the Youngblood. Sorry. I The name of that original Keanu Reeves movie that I loved him the first time I saw him was Youngblood. That is not my social media handle. Don't go looking for somebody named Youngblood. I don't know who that is. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Take us away, Brendan. <laughs> Keanu Reeves. I think I fell in love with Keanu Reeves. I mean, I really liked The Matrix, but it wasn't like he made that movie. Mm. I was more of a Morpheus fan, but... Right. I think just after hearing about his his life, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a, a Tupac thing where it's like your music. Uh, I mean, it's okay, but like learning about who you are is more interesting than your music. Uh-oh. Time out. Did Uh-oh. you just say that Keanu Reeves is the Tupac of Hollywood? <laughs> hey, thank you all for listening. Good night, everybody. Good night. Blurred down. Blurred down. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness.